Welcome to the Quest Express, your passport to immersive travel experiences and cozy conversations. For curious explorers who understand the art of slow travel, we're your go-to podcast. Every few weeks, we touch the heartbeat of a new city where we chat with artists, innovators, historians, and entrepreneurs who make each city come alive. The Quest Express is not just a podcast. It's your ultimate slow travel companion. It's an invitation to begin your own quest. Jeffrey Dussant is a seventh-generation New Orleanian. He's the owner of Keller Williams Realty New Orleans. He's the president of the Entrepreneurs Organization Louisiana, an executive board member at the Metropolitan Crime Commission, and he's named in 2024 Biz Magazine New Orleans most influential, involved, and inspiring executives. I think you'll find him engaging. Enjoy today's episode. So seven generations, huh? Seven generations in New Orleans. That's pretty rare, no? I think it's rare a lot of places in the country. In New Orleans, it's probably about par. <laughs> New Orleans is is a sticky place. We tend to tend to stay. We tend to make deep roots, have big families, and and stay here. I married a woman from Michigan, and there was never a question where we were going to live. It was always, uh, you know, you're moving to New Orleans. And now we have three children. Yeah, Elon would be proud. He'd be happy. That's a different level. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you ever have talks? I mean, did your parents ever talk? Do you know that much about your family tree, about some of the five, six, seven generations back? You know, that was never a focus in our house. I had great relationships with my grandparents. I have one still alive. She's my mother's mom. She's 93. And we have a lunch date every couple weeks in her assisted living facility. And it's unbelievable seeing how sharp her mind is, but her body is just failing her. Yeah. You know, so I had those relationships, but you know, and you'd hear stories from time to time, but it wasn't anything we ever dwelled on. And maybe that made us different. We had a very modest background. My grandfather drove a seltzer water truck when he was able to drive in high school. And, you know, they were all depression era people that their families would would move instead of pay the 12th month of rent. So Yeah. So I'm guessing that you were probably raised with a pretty solid work ethic. I have been starting businesses since I was a little kid, whether it was lawn watering businesses or fixing computers. When my dad in 1998 started a little real estate franchise in New Orleans called Keller Williams, I would fix the computers there. That's just how things for me always worked. After school, it was either sports or go and work for somebody fixing a computer and actually scaled that business uh, through college. It got me to a job with David Oreck, the vacuum guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, who recently passed away. Yeah, everybody knows his uh, commercials that come on late at night. And he had a business in the electronic security monitoring industry uh, in a big building that used to be the, for- the Federal Reserve Bank in New Orleans, downtown. And he hired me to run that company right out of college. And that was the first time I, I was not working as a as an entrepreneur. I was actually someone's employee on payroll with the W-2. But you were learning so much as an employee with him, I'm sure. What's one of the greatest lessons that you took away from him? Working for Mr. Ork was, was difficult. He was 83. I was 23. I had over a dozen employees just after Katrina that made $14 an hour or less. 
I never had that many employees reporting to me. And I was also very unskilled at the time in corporate warfare. Uh, and he is was not much different than one of those, you know, you hear about Steve Jobs had the reality distortion field. No one wanted to tell Mr. Oric that's not the case. Wow. And I mean, I remember sitting in a meeting and then multiple grown men who know better with two working eyes saying, Oh no, the generator for the building is on the, is on the roof now. <laughs> and it's clearly visible that there's no generator and that it's still in the basement, but people did not want, that's just a black and white example I can think of, of, of where people just did not want to cross him. And as a 23 year old, that was incredibly difficult. Right. I grew tired of that very, very quickly. Yeah. Was there every a period of time where you left the city and came back? So you had kind of a different perspective because I noticed there's no accent there. So I, I'm just curious if that was diluted from being somewhere else. People from New Orleans that are truly born and raised in New Orleans don't have accents. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Except on movies. Now go 45 minutes in any direction and they have accents. I did live, I did a semester in London in 2000, January 2005. And which was amazing. And I'm so grateful I did and had that opportunity. I got to work for an incredible entrepreneur over there that started uh, EasyJet, which is kind of the, the our version of Southwest. Yep. Big discount airline. And he, he had sold EasyJet, but he had all these other easy companies. And I worked for the chief revenue officer. That was interesting, but it was really... I came home and Hurricane Katrina hit. Wow. And if I didn't have those like <laughs> those great memories and things to think about doing all the crummy work after Katrina, it would have been a lot harder mm-hmm. for sure. What do you think that people don't know about or misperceive about New Orleans? What are the hidden gems? What don't they know? The family culture. I think a lot of people think of Mardi Gras as debauchery and adult fun. Yeah. Uh, I would tell you that there are absolutely places and times of day that are absolutely for adults and kids don't have any business being there. But what Carnival is really about is about friends and family getting together and seeing people you haven't seen in a little while and talking, catching up and having a good time. You know, I'm one of four kids. I'm the oldest of four. I've got three younger sisters. All of us live in New Orleans these days. All of us have children. And this past Mardi Gras. They all joined me and my family and my wife and kids with my parents and my in-laws and my wife's aunt and uncle uh, who came into town from Michigan on Bourbon Street. First thing, you know, 9 a.m. on Mardi Gras day. And we all have pictures dressed up doing the Mardi Gras thing. And we were out of there by noon and it rightfully so. It gets a little crazier. But I'm a real believer that like if you're going to live in this city, you've got to know you you know, last night I was at Tipitina's, a world famous music venue. Mm. Uh, you got to do the things that are New Orleans that make a special. That's great. Yeah, it's interesting that you talk about the family culture because I think about. I, I assume we're the same generation, but I think about our generation and the the spreading out of children across the country is really common now. So do you do you think that that's it's actually more common that people stay close. I think they do. I think a lot leave and come back. Yeah. You know, we've been pigeonholed to really being a tourist base and economy for a while. And I think that we have some great leadership. New Orleans right now is 
I think we're coming out of a tougher time post-COVID. We got our unfair share of, of crime that most of the country saw post-COVID. But we've got a we've got a new police chief. We've got an activist city council. We've got a district attorney that's had the realization that he's got to make some really hard decisions mm-hmm. that he frankly campaigned against, but realized it wasn't working. And he, we all found it the hard way. So. We've got so, and then we've got all this industry that's interested. That's interested in moving here. I was just with Michael Hecht, who runs Geno Inc., which is this regional economic development corporation, and he says the pipeline of companies looking at considering moving to Louisiana and the Greater New Orleans area has never been bigger. And part of that is because we have so many incredible riches that we're blessed with when it comes to oil and gas. Mm-hmm. You know, we are shipping a tremendous amount of natural gas in the, of, oh, all over the world. We have these facilities that actually freeze natural gas down to some ridiculously low temperature and load it on ships and send it to Germany and send it to Asia. And that's all happening in South Louisiana. Uh, so it's not happening in Florida. It's not happening in Texas. It's certainly not happening in Tennessee. You know, all states that have zero income tax that we're fighting against. And Louisiana is kind of stuck with this that we have a, a very low income tax, mm-hmm. but we're still surrounded by a bunch of states that have zero. Yeah. So it's been tougher to attract companies, but it sounds like it's working out. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I always thought of the, um, other than Texas, I thought of Tulsa for oil, but but I never thought of Louisiana. So that's that's really interesting. Would you say that's an emerging market or it's always been there and it's just getting more robust? Oil and gas has always been a big thing. I mean, you used to be able to take, put a boat in the water, go not very far offshore, punch a hole in the ground, and oil just gushed up. Mm-hmm. That's been explored. That's destroyed our wetlands, you know, by all the canals and things like that. I've let hurricanes come closer. And the, they're going farther and farther offshore and deeper and deeper down. Technology is allowing them to get so much more of these wells, horizontal drilling, and a lot of these companies had their world headquarters in New Orleans, and just over time, that got moved to Houston for a number of reasons. Uh, but we're seeing companies decide, no, we want to be back in New Orleans. Shell is building the first office building that's been built in the state, the you know, high-rise office building in the state in years, uh, decades, in New Orleans. And you know that's a big deal. Their people, they tried to move their people to Houston, and they moved a bunch. And there was just a large contingent that said, no, we want to be here. This is where our family is. This is where the culture is. And I think culture is something that is winning out. Companies with incredible culture, organizations with incredible culture, cities with incredible culture, you just can't replace it. People will take a lot, will put up with a lot of deficiencies if there's an incredible culture. And I think New Orleans has, you know, whether it's food, music, family, or just incredible architecture. We've got that history. We've got that rich background. What is the architectural influence that you see? What is the architectural influence that you see everywhere? So New Orleans has an incredible mix. You have an incredible amount of French and Spanish influence. Keeping in mind, after Boston, New York, New Orleans is right there because, as far as the oldest cities in the country, because of the Mississippi River. Mm-hmm. And so... We've got churches of you know every faith in the city and have for a long time. We've got American Indian influence. We've, we've got all these different cultures that coexisted here 
harmoniously for a long time. So you see a little bit of everything. I wanted to ask about some of the places you would recommend people would go to. Let's just say that for all intents and purposes, everyone's going to do Mardi Gras their first time there. But what are the places, the the hidden secrets or the places that you would send a best friend from London if they were coming? So the first question is, kids or no kids? <laughs> if you've got kids, if you've got kids, you've got to go see the Louisiana Children's Museum. Okay. I, like I've got, it's an organization I'm incredibly passionate about. And that's, that interest of mine is a multi-generation interest. My parents were involved when that was created. I went there as a kid. Then my wife took a job as they're running their capital campaign for the new museum. She's now vice, she hasn't worked there in over a decade, but she's vice chair of the board. We've got a $55 million facility in the middle of one of the largest city parks in the country. Wow. It's absolutely beautiful. I think early childhood education is where things, where we fix a lot of problems in the country. Agree. Whether it comes to crime or poverty or anything. And they are the tip of the spear. They're doing the work. And it's, the kids have no idea they're learning. They don't, it's so experiential. It's really incredible. And it, it's incredibly well thought of, thought through and, and, and how these exhibits will impact a child. So don't miss that. The net, if, if it's just adults, I don't know how you could start a trip without planning your meals. Exactly. Yeah. Meals and music. So if you are, if you just want great po' boys, <laughs> you know, going to Domelisi's and getting a, getting an oyster and shrimp po' boy, Totally unassuming place uptown. Standing in line, one of my favorites to go to. But it all depends. There's a bunch of great po' boy places. What else are you doing? You know, we could probably get you one closer to whatever activity you're doing. I, I think I already mentioned Tipitina's. That's a, a great place. But restaurants right now, we have two of the better restaurants in the country. The first, Susan Manick, who was on America's Top Chef or one of those shows. She is a boss. Mm-hmm. She has a her own restaurant called Zazu. Okay. Z-A-S-U. We eat there regularly, and I think it is in the top two in the city for sure. And I struggle to travel anywhere and beat her cooking. Nice. So that's definitely one of on the fancier side. And then we've got a new restaurant that's been open a little over a year now called Mamu. And it's been written up in the New York Times lately. It's been Bon Appetit, calls it one of the 30 best new restaurants in the country. It is incredible, excellent, excellent modern French fine dining. Everything else in between. I mean, we have our own version of Italian food in New Orleans. New Orleans has a ton of Italian influence. It's a lot more red sauce. It's a little sweeter. It's a lot of seafood use. Mm-hmm. You know, there's neighborhood family places like Two Tonys to go to that you'll find me at with my kids that are that, that are really fun. I mean, there's all these different little places to go to. I was just going to say, as long as there's not a guy standing outside trying to get you in there on Bourbon Street, you're going to be fine. Okay. (laughs) And there's so many food blogs that are great. You know, I don't always agree with them, but I think people coming in from other parts of the country, I'm like, you enjoyed that meal? (laughs) And they're like, yeah, it was excellent. They tell me why. And I'm like, well, I I believe you. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. Do you and your wife go out to jazz? Are there any, I mean, other than preservation, which I know about, of course. Yeah. Preservation Hall in the French Quarter. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Preservation Hall. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we do, we, the city, I think, does everything with the soundtrack. Yes. And 
you know, we even bowl with the soundtrack. There's a great place called Rock and Bowl in New Orleans that's a bowling alley that is really a music venue <laughs> that just happens cool. you know, that just happens on bowling lanes in the middle of it. And so you can go to rock and bowl. Most people are not bowling. Most people are there for the live music and every night of the week. And if you're going to have a corporate event, it's fun to take your company there. It's fun to have birthday parties there. There's Zydeco dancing. There's this, there's that. It just depends on the night. Go to the website and see who's playing. You know, there's neighborhood spots like the Maple mm. Leaf right near my office that I used to catch all the time. And they have regulars. You, know, you kind of know the Soul Rebels are going to be there on Tuesday nights or whoever's kind of in a rotation. And then there's institutions like Tipitina's yeah. that just, you know, I've gone to Tipitina's multiple times, seen someone I had no idea who they are. And I was just talking with a friend of mine there last night. And I was like, I remember seeing Nathaniel Rateliff in the Night Sweats. And within 60 days, all of a sudden, they were on every like radio. They were on NBC, had them on a Thursday night football thing. Like they were like, they just became this big deal. And two months before, they were at a club. Wow. That's cool. So they put out, you know, the artists that are coming through there, watch out because they're probably getting bigger. And then there's just cool venues like Chikiwawa. <laughs> not far from the French Quarter that are fabulous. Just bring in great artists all the time. And I tell people, like, it doesn't matter who's playing. Just go. Yeah. Just go. You're going to be shocked. You, not knowing who it is is usually the best night. Well, I probably shouldn't say this. I just finished up a series on Venice. And I shouldn't say this, being in the U.S. since the 1600s. But I just feel like... Our country doesn't have that many really amazing, unique export. Because I think of like instruments. We have the kazoo. That's that's about it. Um, I guess we, I don't know if we can even put ownership on apple pie, maybe baseball. But jazz was a result of all of these diverse cultures mixing and colliding. And that is obviously European influences, but it's an innovation just like with, with any other invention. Mm -hmm. And look at people like Jean-Baptiste who leaves New Orleans. He went to NOCA, which is a school that you go to your normal high school half the day. And then you spend the rest of the day at NOCA, just working on whatever fine arts it is that you're, that you excel in, whether it's pottery or singing or, and, and he did, he's a graduate from there. He goes to Juilliard and, he is gets the gig as the house band for Stephen Colbert mm -hmm. and he won a ton of Grammys now. I'm not even sure how many dozen. And he really is coming out of the jazz background. He is part of a jazz family and maybe not in the way that a lot of people think of jazz. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's so many different genres. Um, so before we move on to the next topic that I wanted to, to discuss, what about places to stay? In New Orleans, are there any really great boutique, family-owned hotels, or any more for business trips? Any, although you probably don't stay in hotels, so maybe that's no. I but I get but I get this question a lot. I we are having a massive evolution right now, and we're waiting on a court ruling regarding the future of. of STR, short-term rentals or, Air, or Airbnbs. That's the generic name for ah. for Airbnbs. Just like the rest of the, a lot of the rest of the country, we've had legislation 
that's then been fought in the courts. And it's it's a hot topic. I think that STR just naturally fit in New Orleans from the standpoint of people want to be in neighborhoods, people want to be in houses and have a bunch of people with them and share meals and do things together. Unfortunately, a lot of those ended up being bachelor parties and groups that were not respectful in neighborhoods. So that and that did not work sometimes. So that's what created this this issue between a lot of neighborhood organizations and the people operating the SCRs. I would tell you that there are some great small hotels, thirty rooms, you know, seventy rooms, and two of them are right on St. Charles Avenue. The Columns is owned by a friend of mine. Uh, the Chloe is one that's got a great restaurant in it. It's got a great pool. Great bar scene. I go I go there some Fridays and meet friends after work for a drink and do business development, quote unquote, we call it. Yeah, of course. That's what we tell our wives. So, and then there's a beautiful hotel that was where Taylor Swift stayed, the St. Vincent Guest House. It's got another excellent Italian restaurant. In it. It's got, again, a cool pool scene, a cool, cool bar, great little walk-up Vietnamese restaurant called Elizabeth Street. Oh, yeah. It's, it's excellent. Well, our last guest, Chef Bobo, and Jeffrey Dussant of Keller Williams agree. Domelices is the place to get po'boys. I hope you wrote all of these in your phone. But if you didn't, don't worry. I've linked all the places Jeffrey's mentioned in the show notes below. Send me your photos if you check out any of these spots for a mention on a future podcast episode. And don't forget to reach out to Jeffrey on his website to discuss your next New Orleans real estate purchase. You can reach out to him for either personal or office building needs. Next episode, we'll hear more about Jeffrey's work in real estate, trends to watch out for, and much more. See you Thursday.